0: Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta Podcast with your hosts, Leah Bathgate-Smethen and Darren Krause.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Golf Life Alberta Podcast Season 1 Episode 11. Please follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at GolfLifeAB and on the website at GolfLifeAB.com. I am your host, Leah Bathgate-Snethen, here with my co-host, Darren Krause. I lost the mister this week, Darren. Happy?
0: You did lose the mister, and I gained a set of sunglasses. Yeah. Which I'm sure you're going to tweet out when you tweet out the promo for this. I was not
1: going to share the picture of you wearing your sunglasses inside your...
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I needed to take the steam out of it. PR 101, Leah, you got to get out ahead of something before it gets you.
1: Oh, okay. Guess I still have a lot to learn. I'll I'll learn from the pro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Today on the show, we will update you on this past weekend's PGA and LPGA tournaments. We've got local chip shots brought to you by Callaway Golf, the AGT hot seat, and we've got a pretty interesting interview this week, don't we, Darren?
0: Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, I think the interviewer is probably going to be carrying this one. Uh, The interviewee, a little weak this week, but you know what? We'll make it work.
1: That's okay. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you'll find out what we mean uh in a few short minutes
1: so darren how's the grip change going
0: well you know what um if you tuned in last week uh or caught the article on golflifeab.com about my grip change and and learning to shape the ball a little bit more um i'll be straight up with you i took it out to the course out at Nanton. now the weather was really crappy it was uh Kind of freezing cold. It was about eight degrees and whatnot, but I stuck with it. I didn't go back to my old grip or um, you know, not thinking about shaping the ball. So this was a real focus. I think I shot a 94, maybe 93, 92, somewhere around there. And the interesting thing was I can shape the ball left to right all day long. I can get just a baby fade, I can get a big snap slice. I cannot for the life of me, figure out how to get a big swooping hook and that sort of thing. So I'm still working on that and kind of increasing that grid, as Todd Halpin and I had talked about. Um, so you know, I'm I'm working through it. I don't know if it'll totally be re- ready for Stewart Creek, but uh, we'll see where it goes. Well, if
1: you need anybody to teach you how to hook the ball, I'm I'm your guy. I, I'm I'm a hooker.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what, Leah? So, let's talk about that because we talked about your golf game and you were going to give us this super secret thing, and I'm wondering maybe if now's the right time for you to tell us what that super super secret thing to your swing was that led you to shoot that 78.
1: Well, um since then I've shot an 84 and an 89, so I don't know if it's actually as great of a secret as I thought it was. But hmm. I would say that approximately 11 years ago um, I also saw a pretty drastic improvement in my golf game um, I think due to balance and and requiring to slow my swing down a little bit and that is because I was then and am now pregnant.
0: I was just actually tallying that up. Tyler 11 Oh, I get it. Or 10, 11, you know. Okay, so I get it. So pregnant. Well, congratulations. Okay, so Leah, you also posted something on Facebook about men's and women's PARs that generated a lot of discussion over the weekend. Um, What the heck was that all about? Well,
1: I think anybody who is, well, has either played with a female on, on some sort of competitive level, even if it's just, you know... A guy and a girl out on for a round of golf type of thing um, or competitively like you Mm -hmm. have, for example, with Sandra in your flight or Karen. um, Sure. There are a lot of golf courses. I I would almost say more often than not, this happens that the course either can't afford to build a proper tee box or it's not the way the hole was designed or what have you. But there are so many holes out there that are par four for men, but par five for women because of the length, which Uh obviously changes the par of the entire golf course. So I put the question out there um, and it's, it's funny. I'll kind of get to the answers in a second here. But I said, if, you know, it was a par 71 for the men, par 72 for the women, and they each shot 80. So... The male would have been 9 over and the female would have been 8 over. Because they shot 80, are they tied or do you go in relation to par and does the woman win by one stroke?
0: Uh, really, really good question, actually. Now that I see what you're saying, I, I've got no idea.
1: So I'll tell you the the patterns that I, I've talked to so many people and since this conversation kind of got struck up, which... It was only a few days ago, really. Um, Mm -hmm. I've talked to many, many people and golf professionals all have the same answer. And just regular Joe golfers all have the same answer and they're not the same. So,
0: well, what are those answers?
1: (laughs) The way that golf professionals um, are answering this question is an 80 is an 80. That's, that's how many strokes it took. So they tied. Of course, me as a female... I'm like well how though because it should it not be in relation to par because if the 80 is an 80 then the woman actually has a one stroke disadvantage in this case because Uh she basically was expected to play what was on the card as a par 5 as a par 4. Um, only one of the golf professionals put out there, you know, well, then you need to have them play the same course and tee up the women in the fairway or, or whatever to, you need to tee up the women to make it a par four.
0: Hmm. So
1: that's how they're answering. And then the golfers, kind of the average Joe golfers that I've asked literally every single one of them said, well, no, it's in relation to par. The lady wins by one stroke. And that's the way I've always seen it too. So, I don't know. How would you? Well, I figure that one out.
0: I can see both sides, which is kind of a kind of a lame ass chicken out, but I think I would actually lean towards the pro golfer side. And and here's why. Because I think the the great evener ultimately and, and I'm assuming that they're they're hitting from different tee boxes. Um, like one is hitting from say whites or blues, and the other one is hitting from reds or whites. So the equalizer on the whole thing, um, which which in the end to me equalizes the score, would be the fact that the woman should be able to put the ball in the same place as the man um, on their on their drives because of the tee. So I mean that that to me would be the equalizer
1: typically that but that's that's kind of the problem is so we've got number two at pine hills where we played president's Mm -hmm. cup last year we've got number two at drayton valley those are the only two golf courses that i've played this year so i'm using those two holes as examples on hole two at pine hills the front tee i i was going to say red i don't think it's red i think it's gold and the white tee are literally together so with your argument you're basically saying that the ladies are expected to hit the same distance as the men it is not a fair hole if the distance is the same which again even on hole two in drayton it's maybe a 10-yard difference like it's not an advantage Mm -hmm. which is why it's a par five for the women because the length is just too we cannot get on those greens in regulation
0: sure but and and i totally see what you're saying and i know that there are a lot of courses that have holes like that but there for every one of those kind of holes there is one where the forward tees are 70 80 yards ahead and and even though some of those are still par 5s for the ladies and i think men in those cases are at a really significant disadvantage when it comes to playing those holes i know that if i have to play a 400 and whatever yard hole from the blues and I can only hit it 260 yards and a woman gets it you know 70 yards further and can still hit it like 225 230 yards she's got a significant advantage on that hole uh over me
1: so funny you bring that up because especially on a (laughs) par five um Because we've had men and women playing against each other on the Alberta golf tour, I have done a significant amount of my own kind of market research on distances, average distances per, like, you know, handicap range, that type of thing. And, you know, last year, uh, before every tournament, I asked all the the newbies for their average driver distance and average seven Mm -hmm. iron distance. Yep. So I was kind of conducting this research, I wanted to make sure that the T's that I was choosing were fair. And typically what I do is I look at the course rating. So if I've got men and women in the same flight, I do my very best. It almost never happens perfectly, but I do my best to get the course rating for men to be about the same as the course rating for the women
2: mm-hmm.
1: and and kind of playing those similar T's. Um, when that doesn't work, then I can kind of judge it off of okay, what's what's fair and reachable for like there because there's just going to be some par threes and par fours that are not reachable for some of these ladies. Right. And on average, what I found is that the men in in each separate flight actually hit the ball approximately thirty yards further per shot. So their driver goes thirty yards further. Their seven iron goes thirty yards further. So when you're talking about this 80-yard advantage on a par 5, and it's supposed to take three shots to get on the green in regulation, if you take that 30 yards and multiply it by the three shots to get to the green, you've got 90 yards. Mm -hmm. So that 80-yard advantage on the tee box is actually just evening out the hole. It's not a significant advantage at all. You know, the other thing is that um, I actually got this from... The owner of Blue Devil, back when I worked there in uh, also 2013, actually, uh, Scott Atkinson, he's the owner of the the Heather Glen Eagles company, said that his wife should be hitting the same club into the greens that he's hitting into the greens. And I really like that theory. You know, I, I know I had arguments all the time that men were hitting longer than women, but the theory of hitting the same club into the greens is a really fair one, I think. So, you know, a lot of guys are hitting their pitching wedge, you know, 140, 150 yards, whereas for me personally, 150 yards would be my five hybrid. Um, Depending on the wind, maybe I'm hitting my six iron. Those are two clubs that I'm not super comfortable with. If I had to choose between my five hybrid and my pitching wedge, I would pick my pitching wedge every day of the week. Pitching wedge for women typically ranges somewhere between that 95 yards to maybe 110 yards. So there's that 30 yard gap I was kind of talking about too. Um, So that's another thing is kind of hitting the same club into the greens on those approach shots and I know that guys feel like the women are way ahead of them going into the greens but Maybe if they took into account what the women have in their hands, what club they're hitting, maybe they wouldn't feel like it was such a disadvantage.
0: Well, if you are a typical recreational golfer who I'm going to say is shooting between 90 and 110, I would wholeheartedly agree with you. In the situations where I'm or other men are playing against women who can hit the ball fairly solidly, I I think that when you start to get where the handicaps are a little bit closer... I think there is an advantage for the women in those cases. But, you know, what? now I'm going to get all the women, you know, complaining. Watch oh, out. Oh, but, yeah, exactly. No, but you
1: know also, um, having competed against Sandra and Karen, I, I mm-hmm. use those two as my main example. Sure that they often play from a T behind the forward T. Sure. Right. I've got usually the D and C flight women are playing from the forward T and then I've got Karen and Sandra usually playing at least a T back. Sometimes mm-hmm. Karen even requests to go one more back from there. Right. Um, so I it's not like they're always playing the forward Tees. And, of course, then it depends on the course rating with the men and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada.
0: So, so Leah, I mean, I, I would have to look, and I'm, I'm sure there are many cases. But if, for example, they play the U.S. Open at a certain course, and then they play the U.S. Women's Open at a certain course, do they adjust the par and the distances for those tournaments? So it could be par 71 for the men, and it could be par seventy-two or par seventy for the ladies, depending on how, on the layout of the course.
1: Absolutely, could be like like you said. I I've never really looked into that. I don't know if they do they play the same course for the. Yeah, I LPGA? think in a lot of cases they do, okay. especially
0: for the U.S. Open.
1: Okay, um, distance for sure gets altered. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee that. I don't know what happens to par. It probably depends on what the holes look like and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Okay. But the LPGA on average does not play the same yardage as the PGA on average. No, of course not.
0: Yeah. No, it's a really good discussion. And you know what? If you're out there and you're listening uh, and you want to have your say, don't forget you can... Reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I'm sure you can respond to Leah on her Facebook, and we will uh, be able to continue the discussion there. All right, now we are on to the PGA and LPGA. Uh, big weekend. We had the Players' Championship um, I know that the picks that I made, and we'll get to those, Leah kind of crapped the bed, so to speak, but what did you see this weekend?
1: Well, I saw one guy run away with it, so, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the excitement level there was, no, no. I mean, it was a good battle for second place, and, and absolutely, credit where credit is due, Webb Simpson completely destroyed the field. So mm-hmm. it was good to see him back in the winner's circle. But yeah, I i, I mean, other than that, um, I have to say I wanted to throw things at my TV trying to watch Phil's short game on Thursday. It was... <laughs> The most horrendous thing I think I've ever seen. He was wearing that full button-up long-sleeve shirt, so I don't know if that had something pr- to do with it. Yeah, again, it probably or... it, it
0: probably had something to do with his his motion when he was trying to chip.
1: It was so bad. Like he was beside the green in two on a par five, and still wasn't on the green on his fifth shot. Like I've oh never seen. God. Phil is known that for is... his short game, and I have never seen that so bad. That is not so uh, Phil.
0: That's not Phil Mickelson. Gone. Off, that's for sure. But you know what? He he wasn't the only one. I mean, Phil Mickelson, he shot a 79, I believe, on day one. And Brent Snedeker shot an 82 on opening day. And then you can go down the list of big names that did not make the cut. Mickelson, Matsuyama, Fowler, McElroy, Kisner, uh, Usthuisen, or Huesenhuizen, Snedeker. I mean...
1: Ust-day-zen.
0: Ust-day-zen, uh Usthuisen. And, and Snedeker, I mean... There's a lot of uh there's a lot of guys up there who there's who, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're 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 top top 25, top 30 in the world.
1: Yeah, it was it was tough. My pick of Ricky, he did not make the cut, um like you <laughs> mentioned and Yeah. I don't know. Um <laughs> But Ryan O'Neal's pick, um, even though I guess he doesn't like the guy, DJ, that looked pretty promising <laughs> for him after day one. Although there was a lot of people tied for the lead after day one.
0: Yeah, there was. Um, you know, Ryan did pick in his Kneeler Nose column, which debuted last week on GolfLifeAB.com. He predicted Dustin Johnson. Just, he He came out, did his thing for the first two days, but then finished 17th um now ryan tweeted that at least he didn't make a fool of himself in his first prediction but you know uh ryan if you're listening uh, my dad always told me if you're not first you might as well be last so i guess there's that but tiger woods um okay, ricky bobby ti- yeah <laughs> tiger woods t11 uh A lot of people saying he's back. Do you think he can get back in the top 10 in the world rankings?
1: I know you you didn't have time to watch a lot on the weekend, but Mm -hmm. uh, actually, really, I didn't either on Sunday. We had to go pick up Tyler from Red Deer, but we were listening to it on Sirius XM, and Tiger was actually T2 for a little while on Sunday. Right. I don't know if you knew that yeah uh
0: so yeah until he did what cool. he d- doubled 15 or something like that and yeah he dropped back the back was
1: wasn't very kind to him yeah yeah i like new tiger i'm not gonna root against him but i will continue i guess reminding myself and our audience of the bet that i made when i worked for the flames with all the sales guys <laughs> there that tiger would never win another major so um i don't get me wrong i want him to because I like New Tiger, but uh, I don't know.
0: So so are you saying that you don't think he'll win another major?
1: Um, I've been saying that since 2011. And um, even considering how
0: he's playing, are you you sticking with that?
1: I'd like to see him prove me wrong. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs)
0: Okay. So again, Webb Simpson, this year's Players' Championship, Victor. He held off Charles Schwartzel, Jimmy Walker, Xander Schauffele to win by four shots. Um, As Leah had mentioned, he kind of ran away with it. Played a textbook round in his final round. No mistakes. Basically shot even par and made the others catch up to him. So so we will switch on over to the LPGA and this one's gonna be easy Leah because they had an off week with the players going on but they're back this week with the Kingsmill Championship in Williamsburg Virginia so we will keep an eye on that one
1: awesome sounds like they've got eyes on Lexi Thompson this weekend next up we have chip shots brought to you by Callaway Golf
0: So there was an interesting story in Calgary this week. It came out on Monday. Uh Calgary is losing cash on their municipal golf courses. I think it's I think it's been no secret that they've been struggling um so, and I, I guess it amounts to about two million from twenty-seven or twenty-fifteen to twenty-seventeen, according to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. This is the journalist in me talking. So, so it's averaging about six hundred and fifty thousand a year. Now, I guess we can discuss a little bit more. I know this is chip shots, but it it is kind of an interesting discussion, Leah. Should cities be in the golf course business?
1: That's a tough one for me, uh, mainly because I come from both the golf industry and have worked in municipalities for several years. Probably not, if I'm being honest. Um the, sure. the problem being is when you work for a municipality, there are certain benefits to that such as mm. generous pay, union mm-hmm. benefits, etc etc that uh, under normal circumstances normal golf courses can't afford that kind of stuff so you get people into this union even if it's a seasonal type of position they can stick around forever and just continue to go up and up and up and up in that wage bracket and before you know it you are overpaying the majority of your staff and you can't get rid of them because they're in the union I think that's probably so, so
0: essentially what you're saying there then is I mean we've got people doing what amounts to city maintenance by you know mowing greens tea boxes you know doing all of the maintenance at a golf course where they might get paid now I guess like probably 15 to 18 bucks an hour some of these guys might be making you 30, know 25 30 40 bucks an hour
1: easy Easy, and that right. typically in a part-time position, in in a grounds position, you're making minimum wage. I've done that before. Right. Um, in a full-time position, you'll usually, yeah, get bumped up to about 15 or 16 bucks an hour, but right. nowhere near what the city's probably paying the majority of their staff.
0: Right. You know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it that way because I know a lot of these courses... You know they they do have their their really dedicated group of golfers. Maybe not as many as as we would want. You know filling up the tee sheets. But I do think it's it's a good discussion to have. And I, I think the city is looking at maybe farming it out to private interests, keeping the municipal golf courses because I think it's just like any other recreation, whether it's soccer or baseball. You got I I do think that you need to have these facilities in a city and maybe the city does maintain the ownership but they have they have a, a golf group I, and I don't know whether a group like like Play Golf Calgary or the windmill group or any of these guys would want to take over like the the kind of ownership structure or, or I guess not the ownership structure but the operating structure of some of these courses to maybe bring down the wages and that sort of thing um, in order to keep the facilities but also make sure that they were making a little bit of money.
1: Yeah. Um, they'd absolutely have to do something like that. And the other prerogative of the city is to continue to stay affordable to its citizens. So they Mm -hmm. can't up their green fees to, you know, a hundred bucks with 40 bucks for a car, like all these other golf courses are doing to stay profitable. So that's, that's the other thing too much on the expense side, too little on the revenue side, you get Mm -hmm. a huge deficit every year and it just continues to grow.
0: Yeah, well, it's a discussion I'm sure we'll hear hear more about and uh, should anything come of it, maybe we'll bring it up again on a future show. So the other things, um, exciting, uh, we have talked about it before, but Kenanaskis officially opened first first rounds this week, so it's worth congrats again to them. Leah interviewed head pro Bob Paley back in episode nine of the Golf Life in Alberta podcast and it's definitely worth checking that out if you haven't. Really great interview. Bob's an awesome guy um uh, one final note uh wait, it was wait, a stu- oh wait. sorry do you want to say something <laughs>
1: yes i always want to say something what was i going to say now first of all i get so many butterflies just talking about the fact that cananaskis is open like the butterflies in my stomach the whole time you were saying that it's just insane the other reason i'm getting butterflies in my stomach is because i'm playing two rounds there this weekend so... Oh,
0: so you just wanted to get that in there. That's yeah. <laughs> that's what you stopped. That's what you stopped our podcast and made me make an edit for was that so that you could brag to everybody that you get to play Kananaskis this weekend.
1: That is correct.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, definitely. Well, worth it. Because even though I just said that, I am jealous. So good on you for, for that. So the final chip shot for today is uh, the PG of Alberta started some of their one-day events for pros, and this week's event was out at Siraco Golf Club, and this was on Monday, Eric Locke of Prittis Greens shot a 66 in the one-day tournament, and he took home a healthy $1,200. Leah, when are our purses going to get that big?
1: Uh, well, um, when we have $20 a person prize pool. Let's do the math. Yeah, probably never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was Chip Shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. Okay, next up, I teased this from the beginning because the interviewer holds this, uh, this interview and the interviewee will see how this goes. But uh, Leah, we've got the AGT coming up. I'm sure people will um, get who the interviewer and the interviewee are here pretty quick. We've got the HET season coming up. it's It's an exciting time for all of us. This is what we kind of practice during the winter for. We get, you know, we all get together for for the schedule release party back in February and stuff like that. So we are just like a couple of weeks away from going out on the first event. Are you excited?
1: I'm so nervous for some reason I always get this way right before the first event so yeah next weekend it's next weekend it's like 10 days away 10 days wow and actually on Wednesday next week is the uh, rescheduled MS tournament too so um, I mean we're really a week away from everything getting going and I'm super nervous
0: So so what what brings about the nerves? I mean, I mean for anybody who's been out to an AGT tournament, I mean, I'm sure every tournament maybe has its minor hiccups, but the one thing I've heard from people it, in past tournaments or people who have golfed on other tournament circuits that will remain nameless. This is a pretty organized thing and it's like you go, you get your scorecard, you show up for your tee time and everything runs really smooth. So so what the heck are you so nervous about?
1: Why do you think things run so smooth? Why? Because of me and the preparation and the organization that I do ahead of time. And this is that first tournament when I don't really, I haven't done it in like eight months. So am I going to remember everything? The other part of it is when we go out to play Kananaskis this weekend, we're just staying in Canmore all week. So
3: Mm.
1: like basically I need to be prepped and ready to go and and have my printer my scorecard paper my rule sheets all that kind of stuff done ready packed like tomorrow so that's the other reason I'm a little nervous
0: so now the AGT is in its sixth season correct yes okay so maybe tell me a little bit about those first days I mean you're you were a startup and talk to me about a little bit of the evolution to where it is today
1: oh boy man the first days um almost didn't happen actually um i was single mama six years ago tyler would have been four Mm uh i had not much to my name i was actually working at pretty screens that season it was it was the year of the flood 2013 Mm -hmm. was our first season so you know, I knew I wanted to get this going and the golf courses were pretty good about not charging me a deposit because I didn't have anything until people actually registered for events. And I, I was trying to actually the very first year get Grey Wolf as our championship venue and everything was going well. And then all of a sudden it changed ownership. Um, that was the year that the totem group who owns Sundry um, ended up buying gray wolf and just with the changeover of everything and i was just very unrealistic with my numbers that year i i thought we were gonna have like a 100 people a tournament for whatever reason we just kind of shut things down and i thought that that was going to be a sign and that i should just take it as as what it was and just not do this not even go forward Mm -hmm. with it Um, I've mentioned a few times, um, he was at the time he was the Puma Cobra rep in Southern Alberta. He's no longer the rep. His name is Tom Richards. He came into Pritis, um, to do some visiting in the pro shop, but he had popped upstairs to come and chat with me. And, you know, we're kind of talking about the season and I told him what happened and he said, well, Leah, just walk before you run. Like just a second, take a step back here. What have you got booked? Well, I had Speargrass, Alberta Springs, Redtail and Banff, all kind of in there, and he's like, "Well, could Banff just be your championship, and then outside of that, you've got one tournament in Calgary, Red Deer, and Edmonton. So just, just have a small season. Like, what you don't need to go big your first year, and and just see how it goes, and then you can go from there." Thank God we had that conversation because I I was ready (laughs) to throw the towel in, and the AGT would not have existed had we not had that talk. Um, so that's exactly what I decided to do that first year. We only ended up with an average of maybe 10 people per tournament. Oh, really? Like two, two, three, I guess, three groups worth. And I mean, it was all of the, I, I call them the OGs. So like the Clam, the Tom Gramblick, uh, Cody, Sandra, man, Fred, who else was around back then? I'm sorry, I'm totally forgetting names. But like, we we kind of all know who those original Mm -hmm. people were at the very very beginning and they struggled through those you know eight to fourteen person tournaments that first year and luckily i (laughs) they came back the next year because all they've ever wanted is for this to grow and now here we are doing over a thousand rounds of tournament golf in a season and we're up to 20 tournaments four-day championship the president's cup um where this has grown to has just been awesome and the reason why it's grown and the reason why tournaments get added is because of the feedback from the players is this has always Mm -hmm. been a very player-centric tour and i always want to make sure that the players are enjoying themselves and they're getting out of it what they signed up for
0: right it definitely is a a a walk before you run sort of situation hearing you know the humble beginnings and where (laughs) you are now How, how have things evolved? Like, I mean, anything from, from scoring, like in terms of, I mean, we do electronic scoring now we do, I mean, we have the cards as well, but I mean, talk to me about some of those changes.
1: Yeah, we used to, I used to just literally take a Sharpie and write people's names on whatever course's scorecard, but it wasn't authentic enough to me. I wanted Mm -hmm. it to be more like a tour style event. So we got the perforated scorecards, we got the electronic scoring, uh, all that kind of stuff to to make it feel more authentic. And, you know, I used to use an Excel Excel spreadsheet, even for snips. (laughs) That kind of stuff was painful, but there was no operating money those first few years. Um, right. now luckily we have some operating funds. We're still not at the point where we're profitable, but, you know, hopefully one day we kind of get there and, and the, the whole point of it, if anyone has ever read my first interview, one of the things that I did say was, you know, we're not in this really to make money, you know, six years in, it'd be nice <laughs> to be able to pay myself something.
0: It would be nice <laughs> to not still be saying that.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, but But that's just kind of, you know, anything that we make goes right back into the tour. It goes back Mm -hmm. into swag or flags or banners or what have you. We don't, you know, we're not lucky enough to get government funding and and things like that. So it's very much funded by the players. So the money goes right back into the players Mm -hmm. um, as well and, and their experience.
0: Right. So let's talk about this season. Uh, this is the biggest season ever. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've got one hell of a lot of tournaments. My visa is screaming at me. Well, not quite yet, but it will be. I anticipate these <laughs> screams. I mean, this is where we are. This is that that running phase. Tell me about this season and where we're at today with the AGT. Well,
1: I thought that we would be... I, I have to admit, when I f- first started planning the season, I thought it was going to be really difficult to beat last year.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Last
1: year was really centered around Canada 150. Uh, all the majors were centered around that. So we had Stuart Creek, Banff and Jasper for our majors. Uh, and we had some really good tracks on the schedule. And I just didn't see how there was any way that we could make this year's schedule better than last year's. And then I got a phone call from Tom Gramblica, who happens to be a member at Pritis Greens, mm-hmm. and said, Leah... Um, we got the green light. Um, That's good.
0: Yeah, the Prittis one is a <laughs> real bright spot this year. I, you know what? I mean, the Canada 151 is good. You're absolutely right, but we've got Prittis, we've got Canonascus, we've you know, we've got this oh. fail again this year. We, I mean, we we're everywhere.
1: It it took off like after the Prittis thing. I got to tell you, I couldn't I couldn't speak when Tom phoned me. <laughs> I was shrieking silently jumping up and down and crying and I was just so pumped and it took a lot of work uh, to get an Edmonton private club and I'm I'm so thankful that I had a prior relationship as well with Jim Hope who used to be the GM at Canyon Meadows where the Shaw Charity Classic is held um, just because of my prior, work in the Calgary private club industry. Um, So I kind of connected with him. He connected me with his head pro Trevor Goplin and we were able to get on at the Derrick as well, which is super exciting. And then of course, yeah, Kananaskis for four days. Like everything just kind of started rolling after that and Innisfail, Wolf Creek. Well, we're back at Wolf
0: Creek again. Yeah, I
1: mean, and obviously back at Jasper, Stewart Creek. Mm -hmm. So just so many great, golf courses and it, it just started kind of steamrolling after that so mm-hmm. it's, it's and, and
0: it kind of seems and maybe again correct me if I'm wrong but we're we're getting almost to that tipping point of real I don't want to say notoriety but popularity a lot of the tournaments have you know I mean the Stuart Creek one has got to be sold out by now
1: yeah it's it's getting close I actually haven't looked at the numbers since last week I probably should do mm-hmm. that they probably want, they probably want to know pretty soon um yeah it's that one has been super popular mainly because you know we've been able to work with them on such a a a great level and they yes they've actually you know helped helped us on the pricing where we can Mm -hmm. offer that tournament at a price with all of our add-on pricing including food and beverage and all the prizing at a similar price that just a normal person would pay rack rate for two rounds Mm so sure that that always helps our case which is really nice with the majors same with wolf creek they they really have helped us out jasper's helped us out as well so you know, it's, you're right. I actually, Cody and I were at Discount Golf in Red Deer last week sometime. And, you know, it's not like we go around flaunting that we run the Alberta Golf Tour. We were just, Mm -hmm. Tyler was trying out some clubs because he's sick of not having an eight iron in his junior set. So um, (laughs) then we were going to leave and somehow it got brought up and and the guy's like, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. And yeah, a lot of people that come in here play on that and yada, yada, yada. So um it is becoming more well known and and we are getting to the point you know for example highwood you know that they they worked with us too like they said whatever we can do to make sure that you have a successful event at our golf course like just tell us what we need to do we want to have one of your events so it's it's kind of gone from me begging a golf course to Mm -hmm. to let us book there let us play there please don't charge me a deposit to Golf course is now approaching me, saying, "Hey, we really want to host one of your events." You know, they know that they get good exposure. We've, we're very active on social media, that type of thing. So, um, it's it's pretty awesome how the tables have kind of flipped around a little bit.
0: I mean, I I, I think it goes without saying. Your highlight this year is probably Canonascus. Would you say yeah. that's that's the that's the bright spot for this year?
1: Hundred percent. And yeah. of course, Purtis and, and the Derek, I can't, it's it's not like you can just walk onto these private courses any day mm-hmm. of the week and go play them. So the fact that um, they're letting us out and, and lending us a couple hours of tea times is so generous of them and their members. And it's just, it's very humbling that we're at a spot where they also trust us to use their golf course. So,
0: right. Okay, well, we're going to finish up with one last question, and this is going to be my Roy Firestone make you cry question. Uh Leah, why do you do it? Why do you put in so much time for something like this for all of these golfers in Alberta?
1: You are going to make me cry. (laughs) Anyone who has played at least a few events probably has known how passionate I am about the AGT. Um, or can see it, or can hear it when I talk, or see it in my face when I talk about it. It has, like I said, it's turned into this a players tour. We have all become a family, and our family continues to grow every year. And it's not just the family; it's it's just growing the game in this province. And you know, there's there's a fine line between you know just going out and golfing recreationally and and playing competitive golf, and actually let me reverse that there there isn't really a fine line. there's a thick line between recreational golf and competitive golf and mm-hmm. where the agt kind of lies is right on that thick line and we we turn that thick line into two really thin lines and we sit in the middle and mm-hmm. we are that laid back way for people who have maybe never played Tournament golf before to learn how to play in a non-intimidating setting. You know, we don't have rules officials following every group. Um, if there is a rulings issue, there's always open communication. If there's no way of communicating, you know, we always tell people just play two balls and we'll figure it out when you come in, type of thing. And you know, it's just growing this game is so important to me. Um, this is this industry has a wrap, especially for the past several years of dying and it's not it's Mm -hmm. it's not we have grown drastically every year on the Alberta golf tours so I know that it's not it just needs to be fun and that is at the heart of of everything that is what the AGT is I know that we are competitive and I know we are all of those other things but we're fun and we are family.
0: Good way to end it, Leah. Thank you so much for sitting down with me in in our own little interview hot seat here. Of course, Leah Bathgate, Snethen podcast co host, no. but also president of the AGT. Thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Okay, let's let's stop the water waterworks here and uh, get to. <laughs> An entertaining hot seat.
0: They're all entertaining, aren't they?
1: They are very entertaining. I quite enjoy it. Uh, and this who do we week, have this week? We're we're gonna pick on a champ flighter this week. Ooh. Yep. Actually, this guy's kind of gone back and forth between the champ and the A flight, but he's mostly been in the champ flight, so we'll keep him there. He has been around since the very beginning as well. Surprise surprise. And um, just one of, (laughs) in Cody's words, actually, this could mean two people in Cody's words, one of the nicest guys around, just for the record, Cody said that about two different champ flighters, (laughs) and they both heard him say it in front of each other, (laughs) and they called him out, and they're like, wait, I thought I was the nicest guy ever. And then Uh the other one was like, wait a minute, (laughs) I thought I was the nicest guy ever. So now we have the nicest guy under 40 and the nicest guy over 40. Uh, Not giving away anyone's age. But this week's hot seat is Mr. Tyler Mossy. All
2: right, here we are with our AGT hot seat this week. We have camp lighter Tyler Mossy joining us. Welcome to the show, Tyler.
3: Thank you, Leah. It's nice to be here.
2: All right. Are you ready for this rapid-fire segment?
3: <laughs> I guess so. Fire away. Let's see what we got.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, where are you from?
3: Roxall, Alberta is where I was born. Uh, I live not too far from there. It's a little little city called Brooks, Alberta.
2: Nice. Uh, how long have you been playing on the AGT?
3: I believe I've been on the tour uh, since its inception. That back in 2014 or 2013, I can't remember. 13, 2013.
2: 13, yeah. Uh, which flight do you play in?
3: Uh, generally, it varies between uh, the Champ flight and the A flight. Um, my game is not always on par, so I don't always stay in with the big boys. But, uh. <laughs> uh
2: What is your favorite AGT moment?
3: Oh goodness, there are so many great moments at AGT. I, it definitely wasn't the 12 I took on uh, when I hit myself with the ball in that major. Uh, oh, I think it might have been a couple champion. years ago. That was it was in the championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like whole, like three or four, like four days uh, already 12 deep. It was awesome. That was Um cool. Oh, man. I I remember, I, I, can't remember, I think it was Stewart. Was that Stewart Creek? Where. I don't know, I ended up next to a rock on the final hole, and everybody's watching me. And I made this up and down that was insanity. I should oh, not that was have a made silver tip. Silver tip. It yeah, was at yeah, silver you're tip. Yeah,
2: you green on 18, right?
3: It was right up against a rock, and I should not have yep. even swung at it. And somehow landed on a downhill lie as soft as it could and dropped like a 10-footer. And it was just some kind of miracle. I don't think that it meant anything, awesome. but it was pretty fun.
2: No, it was a great shot. <laughs> what is your home course?
3: Uh, Brooks. Uh, Brooks has its own little course here, um, so that's my that's where I play.
2: And what is your favorite course of all time?
3: Oh, that is such a tough question. Goodness. Oh, there's just so many great courses. I think probably the one that just just popped in the mind is this little course down in phoenix called lucendus it's just a great combination of of golf it just has it's a beautiful desert course it's got super green super white sand all around it it's got the sequoia it's just it's just a wonderful little course so super challenging so i'd probably pick that if i had to pick any honestly i could put i could put 50 courses on that list there's so many great ones out there
2: that is true uh what kind of clubs do you play
3: I play Mizunos, um, MP-15s. I've been playing them for a couple years. Um, I I started out with some Mizunos quite a few years ago. Not the first clubs I ever owned, but some good ones. And then I switched over to Ping for a while and uh, gravitated back to Mizunos. I just truly love the feel of them.
2: What kind of ball do you play?
3: Um, I'm actually going to switch. I've been playing playing Pro V1Xs, and I'm going to switch to a Pro V1 this year because I'm an old man. And... uh, (laughs) And I and I need uh, I need a little less spin off the driver. Honestly, I'm, I've just always been my it's always been my bane of existence trying to get off the tee properly. So if I could just get off the tee, I think I'd be all right. So I'm going to try that this year and see how that goes.
2: All right. Uh, would you rather play in the wind or in the rain?
3: Oh, most definitely in the rain. I absolutely despise the wind. <laughs> Um, I I have this brain that doesn't seem to like to want to shut off, and so every time I get a little breath with them, I'm, I'm switching clubs and I'm unconfident, and it just makes my game go to hell. So. That's
2: fair. So I uh, I
3: hate the win, hate it. I'll be, I take rain every day over a
2: All right. What is your favorite junk food?
3: Oh, I like so much junk food, like honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I have to work out so many hours just so I can keep up on my junk food obsession. Um, if I had to give everything else up, I'd probably give up, so I both these. I like chocolate. Um, I found these chocolate bars, my sister introduced them to me, um, there's some kind of chocolate bar that's called Pop Rocks, it's terrible stuff, but oh, you can't wow. buy them in Canada anymore, so I get them imported from the UK actually. Nice. <laughs> that's how <laughs> terrible it is. And so I hoard them and I have them every time I want something a little special. That's awesome.
2: Uh, we've got two more. If you had $10 million to wager on someone making a 10-foot putt, who would you choose?
3: Goodness gracious. Like a pro? Well, or, there's or been dude?
2: pros being chosen, and there's been ATT players being chosen. So An whoever ATG you want player in the
3: world. is probably not where I'd throw my 10 million bucks behind. Don't throw behind me. Trust me. <laughs> I wouldn't wager a 5-inch putt on 10 million bucks. I would probably... Oh man, I would say I would have bumped up to this season. I would have said speed every time, but speed's been kind of a kind of a trash this year on on the greens. Poor mm-hmm. guy, I'm really feeling for him. I would say, I don't know. I like Ricky. We're gonna put Ricky on the board. Ricky, I like, I like him. him. I think he's. A, I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great player.
2: <laughs> and finally, who is your AGT rival?
3: Oh, over the years, over the many years, I've had so many guys I've played with, that I love. I probably would suggest Thomas Reed. He's just such a good guy. I don't know, I've been even close to a rival. That dude pounded by my driver with an iron, for crying out loud. I'm not a rival to anyone in his category, but,
2: <laughs> he um, but the
3: then. dude destroys me all the time. And, I, and he's just such a good guy. I just like him. And Cody, for serious Cody. I've been in so many events with Cody. And I'll be, like, down the fairway, on the green, two-putting. He'll be out in the trees. He'll punch it out to the hole and make a birdie. Like, I'm serious. Like, I scrambled, like, no one's business. And he just Uh, is sassy good, like, honestly.
2: It's, I mean, off the tee, usually it's, it's a little gross, but it's the most annoying thing ever when you have to constantly play with the guy, right?
3: I love him. He's awesome. <laughs> awesome. I'd love to have his scramble game. I'd love to have his game. He's he's a great dude. I'd love to have Thompson. I'd love to have so many of these guys' games. It's so fun to play. It's so fun to be able to just show up and, and have a bunch of guys that are good to play with and you just go out there and have a good time. And, and uh, it means something, but it doesn't mean everything. It's, it's super fun.
2: Exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us on the AGT Hot Seat this week, Tyler. We'll see you at uh, Stewart Creek. You betcha. Already.
0: Another great hot seat. Tyler was one of the first players I golfed with when I was. Uh, well, I, actually, you know, I'll, I'll tell a little, a, a quick little story. I, I caught the Alberta Golf Tour the first time I had ever really seen the Alberta Golf Tour was a quick write up about the uh, the championship. I I think it might have been four or five years ago. um, And Tyler Mossy won. Um, That was year
1: one. Or no, year two. It was year two. Okay,
0: so year two. So I saw the write-up in the sun. So I started checking this out. What is this AGT thing? And then so my first tournament ever was, of course, the the MS tournament that you the, the charity tournament that we do every year. And uh, I was in I was in Tyler's foursome. So Ooh. it was a really good experience to golf with. Were you with like Tyler, starstruck? So. <laughs> 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 well, no, because the weather was really shitty out and we were all kind of day. playing playing um, not as well as we could have. That's for sure.
1: Well, that's all right. All right, so uh, this coming week, we have the Byron Nelson Classic, and uh, we've got another Kneeler Knows article up on Golf Life AB for that one.
0: Oh, that's good. I wonder who he's got this week. You'll have to check it out.
1: And, of course, next week, we will have another AGT Hot Seat, and uh, actually, at, at some point, well, obviously, on Wednesday... Uh, We will be participating in the MS tournament, so Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be out at Tooth of the Dog Pound on Wednesday.
0: Awesome, and you are going to uh, talk to the organizers for that one, so we'll have a quick interview on the MS tournament next week.
1: So check us out on golflifeab.com and Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at golflifeab. Give us your comments, questions, concerns, please don't be concerned. (laughs) I'm concerned with Darren still wearing his sunglasses, though.
0: I am. I I actually like this feel. I I, I like it. It it might be a thing for me now.
1: Uh, Okay. I don't know if we can FaceTime when we do this podcast anymore. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.
0: You've been listening to the Golf Life Alberta Podcast.